Welcome to the Determined Truth Podcast. What the truth? You can't handle the truth. Where we aim to explore questions of truth, the scriptures, and what it means for the church today. Here are your hosts, Rob Dalrymple and Vinny Angelo. Hey everyone, welcome into our podcast. We actually have a special episode. We're diverting a bit from our uh, go through the New Testament in a year series. And as you could tell, I like my throat is messed up. I have a cold. But uh, so I'm not going to be talking a lot, but that's actually okay because we have some special guests on who we really want to hear from. And so, Rob, why don't you uh, intro our special friends? Yeah, we want to thank you guys for being with us today. We have a couple of individuals who live in Russia, and because of just the security issues and sensitivity there, we want to let you know we're not going to use their real names or where they're actually from. We don't believe they're going to say or do anything on this podcast that's going to jeopardize their safety or anything else, but we just want to make sure that, that we're careful. So our first guest is Daniel, and uh, Daniel is married with a child. His story is he was, became a Christian in 1999, and he immediately started active ministry uh, with different fields and different things going on. Him and his spouse began taking international missions trips, and their hearts just got stirred for missions, and they left their hometown, moved to another city within Russia to do full-time ministry. Uh, Daniel also works a full-time secular job, but through the years, they've really focused on youth and young adults through camps and conferences and retreats. They've done a number of international and domestic mission trips, and Daniel currently is an assistant pastor in a small church, and they lead a ministry uh, helping to raise people to do active ministry. So Daniel, thank you for being with us. Hello. uh, And Isaiah is also married with some kids and came from a non-Christian home. Dad passed away when he was only 12 uh, because of alcohol addiction, and by the age of 13, Isaiah started drinking himself. By the age of 14, he was involved in local gangs, and uh, by age of 15, his life was a mess. But uh, he became an exchange student in a foreign country and spent six or seven months there studying and became a Christian, uh, began studying the scriptures and getting discipled. We came back to Russia, got plugged into a local community church and got involved in an outreach youth ministry. And from the very beginning of his Christian life, he, he believes that God gave him a passion to reach out to non-Christian uh, youth. And since then, he's been involved in various youth outreaches, camps and street evangelism. And he got married and has been involved in full-time ministry. And today, him and his wife are leaders of a ministry in their church and in their community. So thank you, Isaiah, for being with us. Thank you. Hello. And we're also uh, privileged to have two Americans who have spent, how many years of, were you guys in, or in Russia altogether? Together, we were there for three years. Sasha was there uh, a separate time for a year. And we've been participating in short-term missions trips there since 2007. So are we using your real names? I'm sorry, I forgot. To, yeah, I, I called her that. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. So I want to introduce Phil and Sasha Opperman. They are missionaries that have served in Russia for several years now. They're back stateside now, but we want to thank you guys for being on with us also. Phil and Sasha, why don't we start with you guys? Who you are and your experience in Russia and, and the church there and kind of just set a little bit of a context for our conversation today. So we have been involved with leading short-term missions trips to Russia and particularly working with the youth in Russia and seeing the great need to minister to youth, realizing that um, youth really are, you know, they're obviously the next generation and they're the ones who are going to change the culture of Russia. And so being able to influence youth at it, you know, 12, 13, 14, knowing that by the time they're 18, they may have made a decision to follow Christ can greatly impact 
their life and then those around them. So we have just been privileged to see multi-generations of this happening now of, of teens coming to know the Lord and um, also helping to train Russians to share the gospel and, and to do discipleship in Russia has been really impactful on our lives. Yeah, both of us grew up in the church. Sasha's dad was a pastor. My family was just heavily involved. We both did a lot of youth ministry in the States and both had a heart for missions. And when we came together and we started working uh, with, a, with an organization that sent us to Russia, we just, after a couple of years, we really felt like God was calling us there full time. And so um, it took a few years, you know, because God's timing, but uh, we ended up there and um, were able to help, uh, I feel like, establish a pretty good core group of, uh, of leaders who um, are continuing the work, even though we've had to leave and, and some of our other um, American counterparts have, ha have had to leave the country at this point, but they're still moving forward and, and, and working with the youth. And so thanks for being with us today. So Daniel and Isaiah, let's just start with you guys. What are, we want to let you know, obviously, that we are praying for you and for the, the church in Russia and for the people in Russia, as well as the people in Ukraine and the church in Ukraine. We know that you guys have a lot of contacts with people in Ukraine as well. So is there anything in specific we can be praying for? Just kind of setting the table for us a little bit. Isaiah, do you want to start? Yeah, I can start. Um, there's There are a lot of things you can be praying for. Uh, but I would, I would ask you to pray for the church, uh, especially in Russia and Ukraine, because um, one of the things that I see uh, among churches right now um, that, you know, because of the old conflict in Ukraine, uh, that lots of churches uh, being divided by different opinions. And I just have a heart for, you know, I pray myself a lot for the church to be united and realizing that the main thing that church has to do is to be, you know, the salt and the light for church to, to focus on that more than focus on dividing. I actually have a question with that. So I, I'm thinking back to around 2002, 2003, this isn't a post 9-11 America and America goes to war, we in, invade Iraq. And I remember back then there was a huge split amongst not only America, but even within churches regarding how we viewed that, if that was just, if that was unjust and whatnot. So what you're saying is in Russia, are churches experiencing the same sort of conflict of whether they support this or not? Yeah, I would say that that is just the whole country being divided into two groups those who say that it's it's really bad what's happening and those who say that it's not you know there's some different reasons for russia to do that so the whole you know just the whole russia is being divided and unfortunately church is being you know torn apart by the same thing i've seen that's something that hurts me a lot that i've seen a lot of christians that fight with one another on on those things that is that are happening so I've seen a lot of christians fight each other and argue and just um, blame each other for something i don't see a lot of unfortunately i don't see a lot of people who'd be um just just regular christians who'd be 
asking church to be night and be salt and the light, especially in times like that, you know, especially when so many people have hearts for what's happening in Ukraine. A lot of people have relatives. So, you know, there is a lot of hurt. And I do believe that church needs to be on this point that they need to be serving those people, first of all, and not arguing on the same topics. So, Daniel, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I totally agree with uh, Isaiah. Um, You know, there's a huge split. And even within my family, with my parents, Mm -hmm. you know, they watch TV and they're believers too. And they cannot understand how come we do not support and they do support it. Mm -hmm. And uh, they justify it. So even within Christian families, there is division. Mm -hmm. But you see, we get tons of reports from our Ukrainian brothers and sisters about what's actually happening. You know, it cannot be just fake news or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you guys can pray for the Russian church because the people in Russia are going to uh, experience very mm-hmm. heavy economical um, yep. repercussions of mm-hmm. what's going on. Like even now, like I can't use my MasterCard or Visa anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like I just can't. Mm-hmm. And um, the people, they, they still don't understand that. But we as a church will already understand that God placed us in this time to serve the Russian people, you know, and the last two sermons we had at our church, they were mostly focused on being ready to help. And it's already happening because we had a uh, women's Bible study with our school of ministry students, and we just invited random ladies. And it was interesting. We had about like 25 women that came and uh, 10 or 11 of them were absolutely new people from the neighborhood that had never been to church before. And for the most part, they came seeking some opportunity to pour their hearts out. And it was like a really great opportunity to serve them. So, and they're non-believers and they have questions and they cry about what's going on. And it was fun because the latest from the church were able to minister to them. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to start happening more and more among the people. So we as church want to be ready because honestly, we cannot help Ukraine living here in Russia at all. Like I wish I was there helping somehow, but we're placed here and now to help mm-hmm. the Russians. And that's our primal focus, I guess. This so- is just interesting real quick. Cause I, I'd love to know uh, Sasha and Phil and then Rob, your guys' perspective, because being stateside, what I've generally seen from the the mainstream media outlets is other than let's see the, the perspective of Russia or the Russians has been, you have your state news, which is obviously giving propaganda, but then what is presented is that the Russians don't support this, that it's, it's really this idea of you have the government versus the people. And, and that's not what you're saying, Daniel and Isaiah is that no, it's actually very divided. Robin, uh, Phil and Sasha, do you guys agree that that's kind of the perspective we're mm-hmm. getting over here? I mean, yeah, what you stated, yeah, I would mm-hmm. totally agree with that. Yeah. yeah, and we're just we're just fortunate that we have connections sure. in Russia and able to get, you know. Um, I was also curious, guys, is are there any like other clear divisions? Daniel, I was just curious that is there any other kind of clear divisions that you guys are seeing in Russia when it comes to you know the thoughts and the feelings about everything. Yeah, like like I said, uh, the older generation primarily, they watch TV a lot. And 
people in church also, um, a lot of them, they just, you know, um, for me, the thing that I cannot understand, they believe that Ukraine is full of Nazis that mm-hmm. are trying to harm Russia in some way. And if not for uh, our government and their action, we would have been, I don't know, mm-hmm. uh, overthrown by some Nazis from Ukraine, which is not true. And the same people, they come to church and they pray about something. And also they pray that this Nazis would be killed. Mm. Like I heard this literally. I'm like, for me, it's kind of like, I don't understand how it can be happening at all. So, so there's a lot of clear division. This is what Isaiah talked about within the church. That's what mm. we face. Let me ask a little bit, because I think a lot of people listening here in America probably have almost no idea that there's a Christian church in Russia to begin mm. with. If they do, they think, okay, well, it's just the Orthodox. And you guys are talking about church the way we talk about church, as though your churches are kind of like ours. And you have a school of ministry and women coming. So give us a little bit of a context of what the church is like, at least in your experiences. Well, in the first place, uh, we have a long history of baptism in Russia, over 100 years. So the first revivals started happening in Russia at at the end of the 19th century. And this is when we can trace the long history of baptism in Russia. And then when uh, the 90s came and American missionaries were able to enter the country and other missionaries, they started establishing more Protestant churches. So for the past 25, 30 years, the gospel has been preached all over the place. And we have churches like you guys have in America, but I would say that most of them are really small. Like I would say an average number of Believers is about 50, maybe. It's kind of big or maybe up to 100. We don't have a lot of freedoms here. Mm-hmm. You know, we just can't go outside and preach the gospel all the time. We have to have certain papers and all this. There are ways to do it, but a lot of restrictions take place. Isaiah, anything to add here? Uh, yeah, I would say that we still do, you know, street evangelism, but it's so, I would say it's... Um, and it's it's not legal. For example, we have uh, big ce- celebrations in, in a city and you can't basically, you want to go there to preach the gospel, but you can't because you have to have a permission and you will never get a permission hmm. to do a church event on a just event. So, um, and also you can't, I would say, yeah, you, you can't uh, invite like legally as far as I know, you can't invite someone in a church. They can ask you where your church is, and then you can tell them. But you can't say, like, hey, do you want to go to my church? Because now you're doing religious you know, work. So, but yeah, I'm, I don't know what else to add. But yeah, churches are rather small, and uh, we don't have so much freedom. And especially, uh, I would say that uh, Orthodox Christianity is pretty big here so uh culturally it it seems like a lot of we face a lot of negative feelings whenever we say that we're christian for example the ministry we do we do a youth ministry but uh officially it is not a youth ministry uh, not a christian ministry in the means of uh, we don't have sermons we don't have prayer right away and we don't call this as a christian event we call it as a youth event because whenever people hear Christian, they have this uh, stereotype of Orthodox Christianity, which is filled with, um, I know, I know Orthodox 
Christians who do believe in Christ, who have real faith, but as a tradition, it is a lot of uh, religion. So people see a lot of a lot of religion, and they either look at Christianity, any different Christianity, as uh, as the same as orthodoxy, or we also have a history of Jehovah Witnesses, mm-hmm. which you know floated into Russia at some point, and they created this whole cultural thing when. If you're not orthodox christian for a non-believer you consider it as a cult so if I, mm-hmm. I i'm saying that i'm an evangelical or baptist uh, i'm considered as a cult for people who don't know that there is other christianity uh, than orthodox christianity so and it, it becomes hard to uh, work sometime yeah but we studied the bible yeah. verse by verse we worship yeah. the lord we uh gather pray we have prayer meetings so we're yep. like a regular church <laughs> wonderful wonderful Amen. i wouldn't by the way be too put off by not having big churches i think big churches in america are, are quite a problem uh, yes. by the way because i think it, it ends up having some of the same problems that you're talking about with the orthodox where it's just cultural and it's just the way we are and when you get big churches the pastors can't really pastor because they don't know people and i'm not saying that they're all bad but sometimes you have the same problem. So, well, I was just actually going to say on the, along those lines, Rob, that I think still the average congregation size in America is under a hundred. It's under a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The average American church is. Yeah, exactly. Now, Phil made a comment to me a while back when we were talking a couple months ago and that really impacted me. And Phil said, you know, Rob, communism didn't make Christianity illegal. They just made doing Christian things illegal serving the poor mm-hmm. and taking care of the needy and, and outreaches, things like that. So how much Isaiah, Daniel, w- when you go to do these things, is that an obstacle from the culture? Because the culture is so expecting this, this, the, the state to do these things. Does that present a problem for you? And how does that work? Well, like Isaiah said, we have a huge influence of the Orthodox church and uh, legally our state is secular, but have huge influence on the government and for example let's say we do visitations in a home for disabled people or something like that if we say we are a church we're not going to get in probably like Mm. 90 percent of cases so we have to come up with ways when we just do some social things as volunteers and we find some ways to talk to people personally and share the gospel you know but like if it's an orthodox church they have carte blanche and uh, yeah. if they find out we do it, we may have problems. But it's not like that everywhere. So you have to really pray and be wise about what you do and how you do it. So just to set a context, Daniel, is the Orthodox Church going to be like a state-sanctioned church then? Is that the way it would work? State-sanctioned, you mean, uh, what does that mean? Uh, would it be endorsed by the government? The Orthodox oh, yeah. Church? Okay. Big, big time. Okay. As far as I believe, uh, the latest even, um, what do you call it? Um, they, they made this document. I don't even know this uh, word in Russian. I forgot. The Constitution. Mm. And they challenged. And as far as I know that there is um, the word Christian or God, something like that. So, uh, so it, it became kind of like Orthodox. Orthodox Church now is has a great influence as a as a power in Russia, but uh, we were talking about um, just influence, not just, uh, not, you know, not a good influence, not a Christian influence. So 
So then if you yeah. were to see um, one of you guys had mentioned how it's the older people who tend to watch the, the state news more and they tend to be more influenced by the government input from a church standpoint. Do you see the same split where folks who identify with the Orthodox church tend to be more pro Russia, where uh, maybe Protestants like yourself might be just it's not like you're pro Ukraine. It's just you're anti war, you're anti injustice. Is that the, is that is that an oversimplification, yeah. or is that kind of how the split happens? Well, I don't I don't know the ratio of like Orthodox believers whether they support or not, but I've heard a lot from like Orthodox priests, and especially we have this patriarch, the main guy. He openly supports whatever is happening right now. Mm-hmm. They don't call it the war. You might be like you, you, you when you listen to them speak, you're like, okay, like you as a Christian, you're gonna say that war is bad, but he finds words to justify whatever is happening so they basically like the orthodox believers listen to this guy and i'm pretty sure they make certain assumptions about that and i i would add that um orthodox christianity is a really cultural thing so for example um a lot of people who call themselves orthodox christian you know they're baptized as as kids so a lot of them they don't even have any understanding of of the gospel you know of who jesus is but they call themselves orthodox and as they create a big group of people who look like orthodox christian they go to church once in a while but the way they believe and what they support it's you know it can be totally pro-russian because uh, i myself uh, i have a godfather i was baptized as you know as an Orthodox Christian, as a kid. So my godfather, he's so pro-Russian and pro-Orthodox that uh, in one of the talks, I even told him, you know, we were talking about gospel and we were we were not in a fight, but he was, you know, really annoyed by, by what I was saying. And at some point I said, but wait, Jesus is Jewish. And he said, your Jesus is Jewish. My Jesus is Russian. So, you know, this whole understanding of, of the gospel of they they connect basically russia it's um ravno what's what's the word i'm looking for equals equal yeah kind of russia equals or like orthodox christianity equals russia mm-hmm. so i've heard it said to be russian is to be orthodox mm-hmm. yeah and you know, that's not dissimilar i think from other like you see that, especially in the West with Catholic religions, I, I married into a Portuguese family. And so it's the same thing to be Portuguese is to be Catholic, or you could see that, you know, even to say to be French is to be Catholic or to be uh, Brazilian or anything like that. So I, I, I don't think that's uncommon, but for us, we just don't experience that from the Orthodox standpoint, because mm-hmm. that's really just not, you know, in our neighborhood too much. Let me ask this. One of the things that we hear from the West is, the way I'm looking at it, and Vinny and, and uh, Phil and Sasha can tell me what they think as well. We think Putin is the bad guy. Russia's the bad guys. They're invading Ukraine. Ukraine's the good guys. We're the good people. We're going to help Ukraine. And we're going to help Ukraine in a number of ways. And one of the ways that we're going to help Ukraine is we're going to put these stifling sanctions on mm-hmm. Russia. And we're going to squeeze Russia so hard that Putin's going to have to relent. And my first thought was, do you understand that putting sanctions on Russia means the people of Russia are going to feel it? Putin's going to eat the same food he ate yesterday. He's going to sleep in the same nice, comfortable bed he slept in yesterday. But Daniel can't use his credit cards. Exactly. So so, so what are some of the things that are happening to you guys and the the people of Russia as a result of these Mm -hmm. sanctions? How's that impacting you? 
Well, first of all, our national currency crashed. Right. So it's kind of like, you know, like for instance, uh, we on the way here, we had a layover in Dubai. And when I did my math, I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm not going to eat here today. Mm-hmm. You know, it was pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? I mean, do, do, do you just oh, want to provide a little context? Because we talked about that before we started the show. But you said before you were on your way here. Do, do, do we want to share that at all, Daniel? Do we want yeah. to? I'm on the. Sh- yeah. yeah, I'm on the short uh, term mission trip outside okay. of Russia. Okay. Now. There you go. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So the thing is that people don't really know what to do yet. Like for example, I wanted to get some cash out of an ATM in dollars because I had like a little dollar, like a little amount of dollars left. So whenever you come to an ATM, there is a line of 300 people trying Mm. to do the same thing. So you can never get the cash. Mm. And all shops are closed, uh, like nice shops, I mean, where you buy nice clothes, whatever. Like people just don't have access to anything. And now everything is kind of panicky. Like people buying all the sugar from shops and all this. And, you know, it's all crazy. Well, Sasha... um was looking at so where where we were living we were looking at we were looking at um where we lived uh prices of apartments and it was it was interesting that even though the ruble crashed all of a sudden the prices of those apartments went through the roof Mm -hmm. to make up for the crash Mm -hmm. so which i thought was interesting that um instead of and I'm not saying that they should, you know, take the hit, but there's definitely people who are still trying to keep the value of what their property is, the value of the current dollar, as opposed to, you know, working within their system, which makes me think, okay, well, these are people who probably don't live inside Russia and probably aren't going to be affected the same way as Daniel and Isaiah are. And I thought, I just thought that was very interesting. Yeah, and you should understand that the sanctions, they are imposed now, but uh, the repercussions of the sanctions will be felt more and more like in the next few weeks, Mm -hmm. you know, and even now people don't understand like the ones that support everything. They're like, oh man, like in about a month, things will be fine. We'll just be fine. We'll we'll survive through that. And you're like, no, you're not going to be fine. People just don't even have a clue Mm -hmm. of the heaviness of these repercussions. And another thing is that, a lot of Russians are leaving the country right now. A lot of young Russians, IT specialists, like again, traveling today, uh, I just met huge groups of IT Russian specialists just going to different countries wherever they can because they're being relocated. And a lot of people, I would say maybe 30 or 40 of my friends left Russia in the past few days. Mm. Speaking of that, how do the sanctions, obviously we've talked about how they affect just the general economy, but how are they affecting uh, missionaries who come to Russia or for, you know, Isaiah, Daniel, for you guys, if you want to go do mission stuff, uh, how, how might that affect you outside of just not being able to access an ATM or something like that? I can share that uh, first, as uh, Daniel shared, um, you know, the prices went up and it means that, uh, especially with all the restrictions, it's not just, you know, that the currency, you know, of of, of uh, ruble crashed, but also we had, for example, a lot of um, countries who closed their flights for Russia. So it means that we have in Russia left only, you know, few corridors how to get out or get in a country. 
because of all that, you have this huge group of people trying to leave the country. And I have a friend who um, uh, he needed to go to the conference, to the you know leaders conference in a different uh, country. So he is now uh, buying a ticket on a plane, like the most expensive ticket he can get because uh, there is no room left. And plus, you know, you have a lot of people uh, trying to travel and the prices also go up. So it becomes to, I can't say that possible to leave the country. For example, if usually you would consider going out of the country, doing some mission trip and coming back, now that's like, uh, and you would just go buy tickets, you know, back and forth. Now it's, it becomes a whole story of, do I need to buy a ticket? Do I need to go there or this? I had to cancel one of the trips we planned just because uh, we still can. We wanted to go to Budapest, but um, right now it used to be there used to be a straight flight from my city to Budapest. But uh, now you have to go through I think two or three different countries to get to that place, and the cost of a ticket is you know is enormous. I, I would also add like for my family. We as you know, we we are full time uh, in ministry. We don't do a lot of missions trip to different different uh, countries. Uh, we usually do ministry in our city. It's a youth ministry, and we do go to different cities around Russia. But um, basically, a lot of our support it comes through. We have a lot of uh, people from states who support us financially because mm-hmm. because of so- some things happening in Russia. The again the the culture of giving in Russia is not the same as in states, and we're just you know getting there of understanding of how to support missionaries, how, you know what kind of ministries you support. Uh, basically, a lot of our support it comes through states, and now a lot of you know financial corridors, as you can say, they're being closed down. So again, a lot of missionaries who I know, uh, we are a part of organization where we have a lot of people who are supported mm-hmm. from overseas, from Netherlands, from you know states, and they can't, they have difficulties of receiving support to be able to do ministry because uh, it's hard to get those money now. Phil and Sasha, you were telling me last week when we were talking that the culture of giving in in Russia is different. You want to explain a little bit of that to us? Yeah, I think. It- goes back a little bit uh, to what you were asking about earlier, talking about you know the communist implementation of just removing a lot of what the church does. So I think it took away a culture of giving in that, well, the, the government will take care of the people. So the idea that I should, you know, I should give what little I have to you becomes less of a a natural thing Mm. and then on the flip side to then ask someone for help or especially financial help can be a very shameful thing Mm. and those who are being asked it almost can be like a sense of like well why can't you provide for yourself you know why why do you need me to help you you can go get a job you go do it yourself instead Mm. of uh, an idea of Yes, I would love to help you. Let's, yeah, how, you know, how can I support you? Instead, it, it becomes a very uh, shameful thing 
to be asked and then also on the asking side. So you can feel very uh, judged when asking for someone to help you, especially financially. Now, you guys both have some friends and contacts in Ukraine. I think you've been to Ukraine before with missions trips and things of that nature. So you guys are in contact with them there and how are things going for them? Well, the things are pretty heavy because, again, like the first thing I did, I texted quite a few of my friends telling them that we're praying, that mm-hmm. we are with them. Like, And um, I know that for the, some of them, it's really hard to accept these words even because you know, being bombed mm-hmm. uh, and you are praying for them. Well, thank you very much, you know, mm-hmm. but we have to survive here. And um, I heard a lot of people in Russia, like some pastors, they just say, hey, you know, guys, just don't let your heart be angry. Like y- you Ukrainians, you should love on Russians because you're Christians. And I'm like, hey, guys, they're bombed. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, there is um, a woman she's Russian and her Russian daughter married the Ukrainian friend of ours. And every day she sends me like numerous texts about like, they're being bombed right now. Can you Mm. pray? It's just kind of crazy because I know that there are a lot of them who are trying to help and evacuate people from these places. I know that a lot of Christian churches open up the doors to receive the refugees and all that. But also I get reports of some Christians who die there rescuing somebody Mm -hmm. and it's really heavy. And uh, to me, the hardest part is that, you know, this thing with Russia and Ukraine started a while ago. And I remember I went to a conference in Kiev and the first year was fine. But the next year uh, I was deported from the country because I'm a Russian. And uh, the relationships between the Christian churches already had a crack then because, oh, you guys, you support your regime. And and now I'm, I'm afraid that our relationship will never go back to normal. Maybe Mm. I know we're Christians. We're supposed to love. We're supposed to forgive and all that, but I try to put myself in their shoes and I don't know what I would do. Like if I was in their position, basically. Yeah. I would, I would add on that, that it's, it's definitely a tough time because it's easier for us being in Russia to say something because uh, as Daniel shared, we are not being in the same, we're not experiencing the same thing and we can't, you know, uh, say how it, we, how we would feel. But some of the things I've been thinking a lot lately that, you know, God is going to judge nations and the first thing he's going to judge is church. And I believe that all, all this process is also being, um, process when church needs to wake up because we do as daniel shared we do need to love we do need to you know minister and this is some process that god is definitely doing in hearts of of christians in russia and in ukraine because um as as i shared earlier there is already a lot of division you know happening and as daniel shared there used to be a lot of division when the war broke out back then But I also do see a different side. I would say I would just share two things that the first, uh, there is a lot of, even among Christians, there is a lot of condemnation from people sometimes being in Ukraine or from people being in Russia. It doesn't matter. But a lot of condemnation on other Christians on on a topic of prayer. You know, a lot of Christians say, hey, we're going to pray about it. And I hear a lot of Christians uh, who say, it's a good thing you, you want to pray, but go do something. Mm. 
-hmm. and oftentimes it's talking about you know go outside and go do something go go against your government or do something and i realized how tricky is that that definitely it's hard to say we probably shouldn't be saying everyone in ukraine that we're praying because for sure it's painful for them but we don't need to underestimate you know the power of prayer because as christians this is the first thing we need to be doing and especially now we need to be more active in you know prayer and i have a brother in christ who's in um, who used to be actually in chernigov this is one of the cities that was hit not the most but it was hit a lot a lot of bombing so he's a christian and uh what really encouraged me when I saw a lot of division between churches, a lot of condemnation between churches, I saw this guy who's being him and his church, they're being in Chernigov and they decided to stay there and help people. And what they did, they were ministering, they were doing stuff. And what we've talked to him, you know, he really encouraged me because I, I was expecting him to be kind of angry at, not at me, but at me being a Russian on a different mm -hmm. side, but he said, you know, he was rejoicing because he said that Lord is leading this process. We are just, you know, in his hands. If we're going to die, we're going to die with him. But there is not a war against, you know, people because the biggest problem that that is happening right now, I hear a lot of Christians pray for peace, which is a good thing. This is, I would love for the peace to be, but we rather need to be praying for, uh, for the will of God because, mm -hmm. I believe that the best thing that God wants for us, not the peaceful life, but, you know, relationship with him. And this guy in Chernigov, he's just telling me that it's awful what's happening there. A lot of people die. A lot of people, mm -hmm. you know, hurt. But he said that living in that city for so long, I have never seen people listen to the gospel with such an appetite. They're just mm -hmm. staying in the lines for, for bread. And they're, you know, listening to the gospel. So it gives me courage and to pray for church in Ukraine to, to be bold, to be safe and to be bold in sharing the gospel. So. so what are some things that you think that you guys would want us here in the, in the United States to know about uh, Russia, about the church, the things that you're doing, your work? You got an opportunity to speak to us. What would you say? Well, my heart, and I know Isaiah's heart and Sasha and Phil's heart was always about the youth, the mm. next generation. And I think that, uh, you know, we've been doing a lot of conferences, retreats, camps together and separately. And uh, I think this work can be, changed again somehow because of the circumstances we're living in but we for sure don't want to stop mm. and we just want to really um put on the full armor of god every day now because like isaiah said you know when you leave uh, when you live in peaceful times you begin to slack mm -hmm. <laughs> as the christian you kind of say the right things you know the bible well and all this but now is the time i believe we live in the last days like you would agree with that i'm sure but now is the time to rise for the church you know even more than before uh and we really want 
you guys to know and pray about that we as Christians, at least like in our church, we're determined to be used by God in any way possible, whatever he's going to lead us to do. And especially with the youth, because the youth are now going to get maybe more aggressive against the government because they don't support it for the most part. And we just want to know how to minister to them specifically, maybe how to carry on. Because again, I don't know like what is the format going to be now? Like, are we going to be able to do camps again? Or are we going to be able to do big conferences again? But we really want to focus on like one-on-one type of ministry. Like we invite them into our homes where we invite them into our home churches. And that's probably how the ministry might be changing in the next few months. Again, that's just from my perspective. I definitely support what you said because um yeah i'm praying a lot for like right now that's um, a prayer that i have that what are the practical steps that my family personally and our church needs to be taking because uh as we shared earlier uh there is like i have i have this picture of you know nuclear bomb that exploded that you see the light and everything is the same for you as it, as it was yesterday, the day before, but you realize that it's going to get you, you know, at some point it's going to get you. So we pray, especially in our ministry on how we need to be flexible. How do we need to uh, be ready to change our ministry and not do the ministry the way we used to do, but to um, see the needs that would be coming. And I would just share for what people need to know about Russia, Russian church, that this is one of the things that my brother in Chernigov uh, encouraged me, that there is no bad leader, no good leader. There is no leader that is fighting for God's word. Both of those leaders at some point, you know, there is a bad thing happening in Ukraine right now but it doesn't mean that you know Ukrainian leader has the same heart for God as we all have so what people need is to to meet Jesus and this is what churches needs to be about especially I believe especially in Ukrainian Ukraine and Russia right now because Ukraine is gonna at some point I believe that this war will will we'll stop but uh, as we mentioned earlier in Russia there's a lot of processes that have uh, has already started uh, a lot of change is going to be so church need to be ready for those maybe people coming into churches for food we used to be in that place in our country when people were attending church just to have tea and get some food so maybe we'll be in the same same position can I also add something as, as I've been praying about this whole situation, uh, like the Lord took me to this one passage in uh, the book of Ezekiel, it's chapter three, and it was quite interesting, just a couple of words from there, and he said to me, son of man, eat whatever you find here, eat the scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he gave me the scroll to eat, and he said to me, son of man, feed your belly with the scroll that I give you. And Uh, fill your stomach with it. And for me, it was a really good picture that we now as Christians, we need to not be fed on the news because honestly, I've been reading news like every day for like hours, but we need to be fed on the word of God 
because then God sends Ezekiel. He says, son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them, for you are not sent to a people of foreign speech and hard language, but to the house of Israel, fear them not, uh, nor be dismayed. So for me, it was like a challenge. Obviously, instead of Israel, I put a name Russia in there. God has prepared us for the time as, as this, like in Esther times, right? So we just want to be ready. We want to be fed on the word of God, read the word of God, be on the right foundation so that we can go and feed others, the people who speak our language. So that's kind of what our focus should be right now, I guess. And you don't have to substitute Russia in the book of Ezekiel. You can just open up the book of Revelation because John does the same thing in Revelation mm -hmm. 10 and he eats the scroll and he's told to go prophesy to the nation. So there you go. Russia's involved in that Amen. one. Amen. Uh, wonderful. What are some of the fears that you guys have right now that you're thinking of, whether it's today or if this war continues to be protracted? What are some of your fears? Well, we try not to have any fears okay. because we have Jesus. Yes. But obviously, like my biggest fear, I'll just be honest, that um, this war might take a bad turn, mm -hmm. like when our leader gets desperate and he can use whatever bad weapons we have. Mm -hmm. And uh, also I'm afraid that he will make regular Russians participate in the war mm. with this mobilization thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. And of course, these are all rumors we don't know. Mm -hmm. And thankfully we have God and he's our foundation, but I know that people who don't know God, they, that's what they're afraid of primarily. Mm -hmm. Isaiah, um, what about you on the same question? I would say, yeah, I would agree with Daniel that we try not to be afraid because uh, we have a good foundation. This is this is the best thing we can have right now because uh, so many lives have been shaken. You know, their foundations were shaking and we can be a witness of people who are not afraid in times like that. It brings questions to other people. Why aren't you afraid? You should be. But for me, I do have some concerns I would definitely say that, like, for example, we all can say that we love comfort. We would love to be in a comfort, in a warm bed, have some food on the table. And me being a father of two, uh, I want to, you know, provide for my family. But uh, I realized that times may change and um, God has not told me to leave this country yet. But at the same time, what kind of scares me is, you know, whenever God is getting you ready for some labor, for some work, and you realize that this work can be hard, but you need to do it, it, it kind of brings me chills, gives me chills, whatever you say. Mm -hmm. But whenever this whole thing started, started happening, we received extra finances from, you know, people who support us, mm -hmm. people who pray. And in, in a regular situation, I would be rejoicing and be like, hey, that is good. You know, we can use this to cover this need or that need. But in, but in situation like that, I realized that God is getting us ready for sustaining here, you know. Mm. And it kind of scares me at some point because I realized that uh, we need to, to be courageous, you know, to, to stay here. And... For sure, one of the things that scares me, probably, I now realize is we have a heart for teenagers. We have a heart for ministry to teenagers. And a lot of our ministry 
is connected to Saturday meetings that we do for, for the non-believer youth. And it, you have to have finances and also the situation, the legal situation here may change. And I'm afraid that we will have to do something different. And it kind of scares me because we want to continue this work. We want to continue to reach out to teenagers. And I have no idea how it's going to look like in a half a year, in three months. So it kind of gives me chills. So. Hey, Phil and Sasha, I'm wondering uh, from an American perspective of someone who is people who have lived over there and you obviously have relationships over there and whatnot. What are some words that you would give the American Christian or whoever might be listening to this? But how would you encourage us? I would maybe, and maybe specifically to like and how to think more Christianly about the situation. That's probably a better way to put it on it. Right. I would say listen to Determine the Truth podcast as much as you often do. <laughs> <laughs> that Rob has said this multiple times, there are brothers and sisters in all of these countries and we forget that. Mm -hmm. We also have a tendency, and I'm sure most people do this, they assume that the rest of the world views the world through their lens. But I, I feel having lived in multiple countries, my experience is that American to be more so if that's the possibility more assuming that the world either does or should view the world through through that lens and uh, we just can't we can't do that we have to take our perspective and then also understand there are different cultures that have experienced very different things and you're dealing with a people group or people groups that don't see the world in the exact same way. And so you can't just assume that the decisions that we are making here, like with the sanctions, that they're going to react the way that you would react Mm -hmm. in that situation, or that they even have the ability to react that, that we do. I mean, our president, he's got, he can go for another term, but if he doesn't do whatever that enough of us don't like, he doesn't get a second term. He loses Mm -hmm. power. The Russia doesn't have that same situation. Putin's been there for 25 something years. And my perspective, there's not enough Christians that I think are going to make the impact with the government that potentially could happen here. And on kind of a, a dark note, I don't know that there's enough Christians that would that would be martyred or, or killed that it would make the news in other places to to make Americans or other people see that what's going on is a horrible, horrible situation. So again, just kind of coming back to, we just, we need to be in prayer. We need to first, just like Isaiah said, put ourselves in the shoes of other people first and, and try to try, at least try to understand from that perspective before we start saying things, before we start posting things on the internet and, and stuff like that. And as we finish up, is there anything that you would say to us that how we can support you beyond our prayers and kind of giving you a voice like this today? I don't know. Because mm-hmm. like uh, Isaiah said, prayer does have power. And I sure. would add to this that the one who we pray to has power. So just uh, continue to pray for more clarity for us. Like Mm. 
just don't take sides because like yeah. Phil said, we have Christians here who have been trying to do the work and we've been restricted in many ways. Now the Lord is going to give us a bigger field and mm-hmm. we just want to kind of rip the harvest if it's God's will for us. Mm-hmm. That's all probably just praying and not giving up on us. Maybe. I would add on prayer. Definitely that please pray for, um, for, for the church to do the work as long as we can, because there's a lot of laws that now coming out that restrict people posting this or saying something. And at some point it's going to be affecting Christians. Uh, I just say from, you know, my perspective that we do a youth ministry, which is already, we work with kids who are underage and uh, for me, preaching the gospel to kids without permission of their parents, that's already illegal. And there is no Orthodox parent who doesn't know the Lord they would they wouldn't want me to preach the gospel to their kids so we are already in a you know in a difficult position and I believe that it can get even harder so please pray and yeah the practical steps I always tell people that you can support with finances support the missions here in Russia there are still ways to to support missionaries because it seems sometimes I talk to Christians and I see that it seems not uh, spiritual to give, but I say that it's one of the most spiritual things that you can do for, you know, missionaries over overseas. And uh, if you have people in Russia, if you can support them, please do as long as it, as long as uh, you can. Well, we just want to thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Let you know that we're praying for you guys. We appreciate the, um, the work that you're doing and admire it and just proud of you guys, what you've done and where you've come from. And we're praying for you and Phil, Sasha, would, would you be willing to close us in prayer for, for them and for the work in Russia and the church there and Ukraine as well. And Father, we come before you and um, we know you're greater than the conflict. And we, we trust in our, in our hearts that you already see the outcome and, and you are, your hand is in it and, and, and through this and, and you are uh, hopefully continuing to call louder and louder more people to, to relationship with you. And as you use Isaiah and Daniel, Sasha and I and Rob and Vinny, um, just in our, in our own circles that we would continue to, to be those megaphones that are just blasting that, that, um, that call to come and be in relationship with you so that we could you know, say your kingdom come truthfully and honestly. And so um, I thank you that that these guys took this opportunity to share with us. And I, and I hope that whoever listens to this, that their hearts would be moved. Um, Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Just miss being there and and working alongside these guys. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father, and all, all things. Right. Amen. Thanks, Amen. brothers, for being with us. Amen. And, thank uh, you Daniel, for inviting us. You're welcome. Thank you. Bless your time uh, on your mission trip with you, and keep in touch, and let's uh, keep the correspondence going. Thank you, guys. Have you're a welcome. good one. All right. Thank you.
All right, yeah. Evan. Thanks to Isaiah, Daniel, and Phil and Sasha for hanging out with us. This has a, been a great conversation, and it's just always amazing when we could have a connection with someone across the world with someone who I've never met before, never seen in person, but immediately we get to jump into a Zoom chat and become just engage as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so this is just sure. such a great experience. So hopefully that all our listeners will rem- remember to pray for the Christians in Russia and Ukraine, pray for the leaders in both those countries, that God would uh, soften their hearts and give them wisdom. Ultimately, as I think it was uh, Daniel said, God's glory will be shown. And I, I think, as Isaiah said, God's will will be done. So we just pray for that. Continue praying for our friends and we will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Please subscribe to and like our podcast. You can follow Rob's blog at determinedtruth.com or purchase his books on amazon.com. See you next time.